to connect and greet with one another. You can finish doing all that chit-chatting afterwards. Have you had a good week? I've had a great week. You know why? Because it was kicked off so well last Sunday morning. How many of you were here? Wasn't an incredible week. We had uh, such a beautiful time last week. There's almost 200 of us here as we uh, had the opportunity to be able to see God work in the lives of a lot of people. We had 11 people baptized last week, and uh, we did it right outside here, and then we hung around afterwards for some great taco truck food and, and uh, mixing and mingling. I thought half of you left until I walked in the door and realized you wanted air conditioning to eat in, right? Yeah, yeah. Was uh, it encouraging last week just to see God's faithfulness? Yeah, what grabs you when you see something like a baptismal service? Hey, just speak out. We're just here as family. What grabs your heart when you see a baptismal service and people declaring that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Excitement. Excitement. God is alive. God changes hearts, hearts, right? Promises. Promises. Good. Good. Anything else? Obedience. That's right. Faithfulness. I, I remember Toby getting in the tank and saying, forget that lukewarmness, man. I like that. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Well, I tell you what, if you, uh, one of the things we need to have sound set up next time, I understand that, and uh, we'll work with that. Some of you did not get a chance to hear uh, clearly Adriana's little testimony that she gave. And if she doesn't mind, I'm going, I'm, she's over here, I'm going to embarrass her. But Adriana's, uh, she's up there on the upper part. And, um, This is what Adriana said, if you didn't hear her clearly last week. I believe nothing you do and no one you meet is an accident. I've walked down so many wrong paths and made so many wrong turns that I was blind and unaware of the one path that has always been there. The only path that would take me where I am today. And I realized that if I didn't firmly place my feet on it, then there would come a time when I'd be standing in front of a mirror and not recognize the person looking back from the reflection. I was in a deep sleep and didn't know I was about to be awakened. And so today, I leave that slumber and all that came with it, and I am honored to proclaim myself to Christ in a place full of people that will always be family. Adriana Weigand. When you stand beside a baptismal tank and you declare, I believe, and then you follow in obedience to what Jesus commanded in Scripture to repent and be baptized, and you publicly declare your faith, you need to know that what you're doing in that moment is countercultural. It's against the flow of our world today. And that what you're doing in obedience, is speaking loudly to a lost world about what they need to do. We are buried with Christ. We die to an old life and we're raised to a new life. That is possible for every single person in this room today and every single person in this valley and around the world. Jesus Christ died, rose from the grave, broke the power of Satan, 
so that we could be free from sin, that we could be awakened out of our sense of slumber, and we become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And that's what we as a church called the awakening are all about. It was great to see those steps of obedience last week. But you know, this week I read a research article by the Pew Foundation saying this, Americans are giving up on God. Any of you read this? came out on Wednesday. Half of Americans who have left their church no longer believe in God, leading a surge of nearly one quarter of the nation who have no affiliation with any religion, according to the Pew Research Center. They said on Wednesday that 49% of those, of what they term nons, left their church and religion because they don't believe. Another 20% said they don't like organized religion, and other reasons include common sense, seemingly, and a lack of belief in miracles. So when you stand and you declare, I believe, you have a majority of the outside world saying, what? You kidding me? You you really believe? And sometimes it's not, you know, a a scowl in the face that say, I can't believe it. It's just like, okay, whatever. We live in a loosey-goosey, whatever kind of world. And the longer it seems to roll along in America, the more we get away from the underpinnings of a God-centered nation, but a God-centered lifestyle and a call to what Lord Jesus says we should live up to for our freedom, for our purposes, as well as for his. Now, here are some examples of reasons why people are unaffiliated. Maybe you identify with these. Maybe you're a non-believer this morning. That's cool. This is a safe place to check out belief in God. should always be that way for us. But here are some examples of, uh, in the category of don't believe. Learning about evolution when I went away to college. That's why I don't believe. Or too many Christians doing unchristian things. Religion is the opiate of the people. Another person said, Rational thought makes religion go out the window, seemingly one person thinks. Lack of any sort of scientific or specific evidence of a creator. Hmm. I could like stop on all these and just start to make side comments, but I won't. I just realized somewhere along the line that I didn't really believe it. I'm doing a lot more learning and studying, kind of making decisions myself rather than listening to someone else. Now, I like that one. Why? Because that's being honest. That's not necessarily I don't believe this. I just want to make the decisions myself. Dislike organized religion. Some say I see organized religious groups as more diverse than uniting. I think more harm has been done in the name of religion than any other area. Another, I no longer believe in organized religion. I don't attend services anymore. I just believe that religion is very personal. Then there's religiously unsure and undecided. I don't have a particular religion because I'm open-minded, and I don't think there is one particular religion that is right or wrong. I feel that there is something out there, but I can't nail it down, a religion, whatever. Another, right now I'm kind of leaning towards spirituality, but I'm not too sure. I know I can pray to my God anywhere. I do believe in a higher power, but I don't need a church to do that. And then the inactive believer, or what are sometimes referred not to as the nons, but as the duns, I just basically stopped going to church when I went to college and never picked it back up. I was never super religious. 
I don't practice any religion and I don't go to church, participate in any of the rituals of the church. And I like the last one because it's more true than not. I don't have time to go to church. If church is just a ritual, a routine, if it's just an institution, if it's just a mere program, then I'd probably identify myself with the last one too. Do I really have time to do that? But the church, biblically, is the body of Christ. You want to see Jesus? Then be a part of a church that's fully alive in Christ and to his mission. Because Jesus chose for the church, those who would gather, local churches here, wherever. If you gather in the name of Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as God himself, Jesus as God who came in the flesh, died, rose from the grave. If you gather in his name, You were the church. And the church brings life to Christ in the midst of our culture. We've been in this series, as Joe mentioned, called On the Brink. And you thought I was done last week when you came. But I'm not. I'm not. Last week I gave reference to something I wrote that was in line with the seven letters in the churches of Revelation. We went through seven cities over the course of the summer. Jesus gives strong warning and encouragement to seven churches in what's modern-day Turkey. And I encourage you. There's a little bit of summary of what those exhortations were on the front of your post this morning. But last week I said, what would Jesus say if he showed up, and, or maybe he just sent a letter to us, to the church at the awakening in the Temecula Valley. This is what I said last week. I'm going to just read it through. Listen. And again, I want you to know that this is not necessarily um, declared as prophetic, um, but a prophetic word is a forth-telling word. And these words were words that came to my heart when I laid myself before the Lord a week ago and said, what would you say to us as a church? Okay? So I'm not declaring these scripture, not declaring it a prophecy of sorts, but it is a prophetic word of speaking forth what I believe the Lord would have us say here. These are the words of him who is faithful and true, who stands in your midst as the beginning and the end. I know where you come from and where you desire to go. You are on the brink. The days before you will far exceed those behind if you choose carefully to order each day with the passionate devotion to me, with grace-giving actions of love to one another, and with a zealous heart to expand my kingdom on earth to all. If full obedience does not abound, then I will not abide, and your lampstand will be removed from the valley. Request of me for the river of the water of life to refresh your soul, bask, cleanse, drink, and be enriched in the joy of my living water. Oh, for the rapids of renewal to gush through your parched lands and an abundance of fruit to spring from your vineyards. I am the one who throws open the floodgates of heaven. For behold, I am the giver of power and patient endurance to the end. I come quickly to bring judgment and establish my reign of glory. To him who overcomes, I will grant full participation with me in the final day and in the hour of your present need. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Those words, again, nothing special about them. If you want a copy of that, you can pick it up on the stool on your way back out. I want to take the center part, the first center part of what I spoke, and expound upon it a little bit today. And then I have a story from the Old Testament that I can't get away from for the hour that's at hand. I know where you come from and where you desire to go. You, the awakening church, are on the brink. A lot of times you hear on the brink and you think, oh, this isn't good. I had uh, this week, I, I, um, it was, it was last Sunday night. <laughs> My uh, 20-year-old son, Zach, uh, we had all of our family together because Levi, uh, my other son, uh, was baptized. And Zach said, I want you to watch this video, Dad, family. It was from my GoPro camera that I had on my head when I went climbing in Zion. Do you know where Zion is? All right. See, I'm from the Midwest, so I don't know these things. He went there this summer with some friends, and I said, sure, go, have fun, Enjoy. Well, they went to a place in Zion called, I think, Angel's Landing. Are you guys familiar with this? Now, you need to know that I will never experience Angel's Landing. (laughs) It is up this little corridor, this crevice, but I experienced it through the GoPro camera on wide lens. And all I know is that there was this little path that was shooting straight up to this incredible view over the canyons and everything. And there was like the you know, half the state of Utah there or something. I don't know. People coming one way, people going down. I'm like, how do, how do you navigate with this? Because there's literally death on each side by two feet. A little chain rope you can hold on to. They were on the brink. They were on the brink of what I was thinking was disaster. I'm sitting there watching this thing for a half an hour. I'm going, son, all that I've poured into you, and this is how it's going to end? (laughs) And he says, oh, daddy, I was scared. But man, it was exciting. It was a thrill. And when they got to the precipice of Angel's Land, he says, dad, then view is just incredible. We just stayed there. I think this whole idea of on the brink with churches is the same way. A little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Disaster. Even death. But you stay at the center where God's called you to be as a people. And it's exhilarating, exciting. It's, it's great to be the body of Christ to people and to see lives transformed. And Jesus says to us, you are on the brink. Now some of us might be focused, oh, there's the pit. There's the pit. Oh my gosh, there's a cavern. I could... What's going to happen to us? But if our faces are centered on Christ and where he's taken us, friends, we as a church have a precipice. We have a landing in the future for us as a body that is beyond our comprehension. As I mentioned last week, this church started in 2004 by a faithful couple of Dave and Elena Reynolds. There were only two people, I guess five if they counted their kids. And they started this church in French Valley. And this church took off. And it grew because there really a lot of times weren't too many other churches in the valley, right? And some of you that were part of that were at elementary school here and elementary school there. And then five years ago, 
This fall, there was the acquisition of these properties, and we came to land here. I showed up three years ago when Dave and Elena went on to be able uh, to help start churches across the nation with the alliance that we're a part of, the denomination. And I came, and there was a, a lot of uncertainty that seemed to be going on. Who's the new guy? What happened to the old guy? Who are we as a people? When they moved here from out of the schools in French Valley, there was a little bit of sifting going on while we do that or what? And we, for the last three years, and I mentioned last week was uh, three years that Dave and Elena left, that we as a church have been on a ride. And been on a ride up, been a ride down, and a ride back up. And there's part of you, psychologically, and I'm this way, I mean, I moved my family 2,000 miles saying, go, wow, is it? Are we going to be okay? Are we on the brink of not good? Or on the brink of something exhilarating? And I may not want to go mountain climbing up some crazy trail with a GoPro on my head. But I tell you what. I've been a risk taker from the get-go in my Christian life. And I will always pursue what Jesus is calling us to do as a body of people. Because I know the destination is greater than my current place. I remember an old-time preacher once said to me, he said, the difference is worth the distance. The difference is worth the difference. And so this letter from Jesus is saying, I know where you come from and where you desire to go. You're on the brink. You stay with me. And he says, these days before you will far exceed those behind if you choose carefully to order each day with. And then there's three things listed here, and these are three things for us as a corporate body, but they really come down to us in our individual lives. Because you see, a church is no greater than the individuals that make up the body of Christ. And he says, you need to order each day with, first of all, passionate devotion to me. There's a lot of things going on in your life. You could probably give me a litany. Good things, bad things. But in the center of every day when you wake up, Is it a day that you're going to be passionately devoted to Christ and pursue knowing him? Even if you're a seeker and you really don't know what it means to have a relationship with Christ, are you taking that that desire within you for spiritual things or something more? I had that blessed opportunity. Somebody stopped by this week and and they were interested maybe in church and we were interacting. and, And I could just tell from her heart she had a hunger for spiritual things. There were some fear issues that were welling up, and, and she didn't know about the unknown future and those kinds of things. But I could tell she had an interest in spiritual things. You grab a hold of that interest, and you press into it. Scriptures say that those who seek me will find me when they seek me with half a heart, with all their heart. So every morning, you and I, we get up to have passionate devotion to follow Christ. That will lead us to the precipice of the angel's landing. It won't cause us to fall off the cliff. My focus. My focus set. Now with this, I want to encourage us this morning to do something bold if you've never done it before. Some of you have already done this bold step. Others of you are wondering, well, how do I put the whole passionate um, devotion to me in focus? Well, I want you to be a part of a 10-week adventure called Rooted.
We've had six different groups that have gone through Rooted. It's a 10-week experience and a journey for you to be able to get connected with God, connected with His church, and connected with His purpose for your life in the big picture. And sometimes we just sort of throw out, hey, here's something to do. But Rooted is a serious adventure, is it not? Those of you who are part of it. And you will have the opportunity five out of seven days a week to be able to interact with God through a devotional reading and some journaling. You will come together with a group of like-minded, sincere people, a safe place to talk about religious stuff from your own spiritual pursuits. And then out of that group, you'll also do some other outside experiences of being able to serve other people and pray together. Rooted, a ten-week journey is not to be lightly taken. And so a lot of times people say, forget it. Too busy. Not enough time, not just for Sunday morning, but some time to do that during the week. But many of you, and the Abners, when they finished up with their baptism last week, gave testimony of getting rooted. Many of you need this kind of experience in your life because you will meet with God. And you will experience what it means to be a part of the community of Christ. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and build up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted is a unique experience because it's able to connect with people who just have a little bit of a spiritual hunger in them and people who have been walking on a journey of knowing Christ for a long time. But they still need to become more rooted and build up in him. So I'm going to encourage you in your seat backs um, to do this. A few of you have already signed up. We're looking for a good group. It's going to be on Wednesday nights. This right here, sign it, fill it out, turn it in at the end when the offering's received. Or give me a call. Let's interact afterwards. I'd love for you to do it. Now here, there's two other invitations that are going to be extended. So dig out your ears right now. Some of you went through Rooted. It might be okay to go through Rooted again. It's a little bit of a blur sometimes, is it not? So you can take root it again. Some of you have friends who would benefit by going through rooted. Is it worth an extra night? Maybe. To grab a hold of your friends and say, come with me. Let's go through rooted. A 10-week spiritual journey that can change your life as you seek to be devoted to him. So enough said on that. Wednesday night is also... Uh, running simultaneous with kids' company. And so um, if you have kids, drop them off. Come over and be a part of Rooted. All right? Secondly, grace-giving actions of love to one another. I have decided after three years of being at this church that the greatest thing this church has going for it is community and people who can love one another. Now, you may readily agree with that. Or you may readily say, "Mm, not so sure you're reading this church right, Carrie. (laughs) Give it some space and margin. We only get what we give by giving into something. But I have found, and the word I get on the street by people that attended this church, some who just visited this church, that kind of thing, is it's a very loving um, community of people. And... I believe it's not our ticket to the angel's landing. I believe it is our call in obedience to God. Those statements that you saw 
that I re- spoke to you from the Pew Research, a lot of times you can head straight at those and try to answer people's questions. Like, what do you mean you don't believe God exists because of science and that kind of thing? Well, let's talk. I mean, uh, God is the author of all things, so he's the author of science. So science ultimately ends up pointing to him and other things. And I, I want to go after that kind of thing. But you know what? I have been able to reason with people and show them clearly the existence of God, the potential that uh, is there for them to believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was, that the resurrection really happened. I've argued all those kinds of things with people. But they'll still say, see you later. But I've had people who have not had some of those deep, deep questions addressed in their life to their full satisfaction. But because of the community of Christ and people who were grace-giving in their love actions one to another, they came to experience Jesus through a body of people. And through that, they said, I want what these people are about. And these people are about following Jesus. And I have seen people come to be believers through rich community where they still have doubts that go on their head. Some of you are in that boat this morning. You still have some doubts as it relates to the logic of this or the belief in that, but you know that you know that Christ is real and you've chosen to follow him through the course of the interactions you've had with good, solid Christ followers because of a grace-giving community. The last guy who got baptized Sunday is an example of that. Chris is um, in Oklahoma now. Uh, he'll actually be back here for a little bit because he hasn't officially been discharged from the Marines. But I don't think I answered all Chris's questions by far in Rooted or in our life group. But he began to understand what it meant to be a part of the body of Christ. And he was loved into the kingdom. Now, we continue to answer questions. We continue to peel back the layers and understanding. But the greatest thing I believe this church has to head to Angel's Landing and not fall into the cliff and die as a church is we've got to maximize our love for one another. And as we maximize our love for one another, it can't be just this ingrown thing. Because I've been around churches that are like that. You could go to those churches. and It's like the Holy Huddle Club. They have rich community of loving one another. But you're sort of like on the outside going, hey, me. You ever walked up to a group of people that are laughing about something and you're clueless about what's going on? And you just sort of feel awkward. So you sort of smile, try to laugh like you know what's going on. I think churches do that. They're holy huddle clubs. We got insider language. We got insider people. We got insider vision. And we just all sort of love our fellowship. Fellowship's an old word. My oldest son says, Dad, stop using the word fellowship. I'm like, fellowship's biblical. It's Greek words, koinonia. Loving one another. There's all kinds of one another. We need to be rich about that as a church. But we can't be internally focused with our community. That's why passionate devotion to me, grace-giving actions of love to one another. But the last part is so critical. A zealous heart to expand my kingdom on earth to all. The kingdom is the reign of God, the desire for Jesus to be the Lord of somebody's life and what he brings in transformation. If you want to see powerful community, it's community that's rich within and it's a community that's reaching out all the time. I want to meet your friend. I want to meet your neighbor. I want to know uh, who I can be praying for that you have a connection with.
because it creates a dynamic kind of state. All right? Had the opportunity to, to be a part of Gretel and Teodi Mendoza's uh, little girl Maggie's one-year-old birthday party yesterday, and we did a parent-child dedication. I don't know if you guys know this. I'll put you on the spot, that kind of thing. I'll think they're here. Better look. I met your neighbors, and your neighbors live in the same subdivision that my family's going to be moving into in December, right? Mike and Jennifer, who was, I think. And I'm thinking to myself, Wow, there's the Mendoza's neighbors, and they came because of the birthday party. Now they may go to church. I don't know, those kinds of things. But it's that kind of wheel spinning. Who's, who's next? Who can I connect with? Who can I love on? Who can I encourage? You know so-and-so. Maybe they're not a neighbor. Maybe they're a co-worker. A zealous heart to expand the reign of God in all the world. Yeah, it's a big picture thing, but it's also a micro picture thing because it has to do with people's lives changing. Do You and I care that people are lost without Christ. Or do we just have contentment in our own little holy huddle? Oh, we got a nice little church. Some people want a little church. They don't want a big church. I've been at big churches, little churches. Doesn't matter to me. I just want to be in a vibrant, healthy, Christ-centered, loving, kingdom-advancing church. That's what I want to be a part of. And Jesus looks to and fro and he looks into this church and he says, will this church called the awakening have a vibrancy to it in its passionate devotion to me, in its grace-giving actions of love to one another, and a zealous heart to expand my kingdom on earth to all? If full obedience does not abound, then I will not abide and your lampstand will be removed from the valley. Those three reflect... In reality, didn't fully realize it when I wrote them down, are values that um, I've stated at different times through the years. A Christ-centered, deeper life, a grace-giving communal life, and a kingdom-advancing missional life. In Scripture, you find... After the days of Jesus and the power of the Spirit coming, you find the church meeting together with richness. It says this in Acts 2.42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We gather on Sunday mornings to worship, but we also gather during the week in group life. Group life, you heard me sort of challenge it for rooted. That's like it. Root is like the on-ramp to the highway for group life. Most rooted groups then extend into life groups. There's also studies that go on. What you have here is a list of the groups that we have going in to the fall. Did you guys get this on the way in? Raise your hands. If not, how many of you do not have one of these cards? Raise your hands. Be honest with me. Come on. All right. 
Can I have my ushers just pass out these cards? This is how important this is. On the back here are listed these groups. These groups meet on different nights of the week. Jackson Jr., Yarborough Group, Monday night, right, guys? Sort of some younger folks there, I guess. Sort of, I don't know. Anyway, the Bowman and Hooper Group, Tuesday nights we're moving to and aligned it with the student ministry. If you, it, just raise your hands. I want one of those cards. Thank you, Bob. The Axine Senior and Steve Riley is going to help co-lead that with Dave this fall is on Tuesday nights, right, guys? And uh, they're going to go through Truth Project. Maybe. All right. I knew when I put that up there, you'd say, oh, no. All right. They're leaking at doing that. Next week, I want to introduce you, Greg and Sonia Perez, and they're stepping out to do a balanced life group, as we're sort of calling it. If you want to have a cool group that meets outside for just an hour around Harvest and Lake, at least as they're going to start, that's your group on Wednesday nights. They're going to go through something called the Daniel Plan. The Daniel Plan's not the Daniel Plan from Saddleback. It's the Daniel Plan related to uh, just wholeness of life and health, those kinds of things. They're going to run that for five weeks and look at something else, something else. They'll be sharing about that. Then Rooted Group on Wednesday night. Some of you are part of the women's Bible studies on uh, Thursday evening and Thursday morning. Where's Debbie at? We're going to be starting Breaking Free. Encourage you uh, to consider being a part of that run. It's a powerful study and series and rich community that happens through that. And then on Friday night is the Mano Smith Group. And uh, they're going to be doing a lot more worship and prayer kind of thing connected in their life group. But those are the groups that we have, a total of one, two, three, four, five, eight groups there, I guess, that are operating during the course of the week. So we gather on Sunday to celebrate, worship the Lord, and hear catalytic words from Jesus, from Scripture. And then we're involved in community during the week. Now, what you need to do is take this card, and you need to mark one or two of these. That doesn't mean you're going to go to two. I just want to know what your interest is. All right? Grab the pen in front of you. Mark the spot. Maybe you're already connected to one of these groups. Mark the spot, and we're going to receive these at the end of service. Okay? So mark it if we already are attending. Yeah, already attending it, mark it. Or if you have another one you might have interest in. Some of this has to do with group size, too. We want to keep a, di- a certain kind of dynamic as well. And if you're, like, already in a group and you don't want to be a part of those people group anymore, that's all right. I guess you don't have to mark it, but that's fine. No. Who knows? Friends for a lifetime. And in our group life, there's deeper life to connect with Christ, communal life to connect with his church, and missional life to connect with his purposes. So those flow through all of our groups. All right? The last thing it said here on this statement, if full obedience does not abound, then I will not abide, and your lampstand will be removed from the valley. It was hard for me to write that because I don't want it to be seen as a, <laughs> all right, you've got to really buck up and become perfect. That's not what full obedience is. Full obedience is a breadth like doing a 360 and say, I want to have a full obedience related to my devotion to Christ, love for one another's, and forwarding his kingdom. And I could probably stamp the word stewardship all over this. Do you know what the word stewardship means? It's taking care of that which has been entrusted to you by God. And a lot of times stewardship is referred to in three areas, your time, your talents, 
and your treasures. Have you heard that before? Are we in full obedience with our time, our talents, and our treasures? Serving Him, not just going to church, but being the church, is critical for all of us to be involved in. On the other side of this card that had group life, is something you received the last couple of weeks called Serving Him. And a few of you have noted spots on there. I encourage you to mark them again and put your name down. But to be honest, I've not received a lot of these. Now, it's not the time to say, come on, belly up. No, it's the time to say, are you stewarding what God's called you to in his local church well? A lot of places you can serve. The places are listed here. I won't go into them, but I am more than glad to have myself or someone else contact you if you have interest in some of those areas. One of those areas I do want to mention here is for the Kids Alive area. It's not really written there, but we need people who can bring child care to the table for us to have a couple great group experiences. Elementary kids will be a part of kids' company on Wednesday night, but we need child care for the preschoolers. Would you be willing to give your time or maybe a teenager you know, partner with them to come and devote to giving child care for kids' company and rooted night so people can be able to enjoy those blessings? So also for the Thursday a.m. Breaking Free study, we lost our child care servant to Oklahoma for Thursday morning. And we are looking for someone to help serve children of moms who want together on Thursday morning to go through breaking free. Just write child care on there somewhere. Or Thursday child care because it's not listed. But I want to encourage you to seriously look at how you can be involved and take initiative. Group life on the back, stewardship, of serving with your talents and your time on the other side. And then the other stewardship aspect is treasure. And I need to articulate some things here, so hang with me. We as a church are always on the brink, it seems like, financially. My bookkeeper back there is nodding her head. I want you to know this. When it comes to stewardship and financial resources, I've seen a lot of beautiful stretching and sacrifice and steps of obedience with this body since it's come. But full obedience, I think, also means across-the-board obedience for a church in the area of community life, serving one another, and in financial stewardship. I believe God wants to bless this church with Everyone in related to living with our financial resources to honor and bless God. Now, you need to know I operate in the mode, and you've heard me say this before, that God gives us what we need. And we will always operate within our means as a church. You do this at your family table. Up here's the budget, gang. No, we can't take that trip. No, we can't make that purchase right now. Why? Because the monies are not there. And God honors wise stewardship. He honors living within our means. He honors frugal living. 
as a leader of this church with the board, we work diligently to live within our means and be faithful and not extend ourselves in places we shouldn't. I need to clarify with you a place that we're at as a church related to stewardship and facilities. When the church moved here from the elementary schools, it was a bold step of faith. It was also believed there would be this trajectory of growth. Okay? The lease was structured in a way that stair-stepped and got more expensive, not only for this building, but the next building. Many of you drop your kids off there. The students are over there right now. Our student children's building. There's 11,000 square feet of space here. But since I've been here, the trajectory of being able to make that payment has not stair-stepped up. It's gone down. And we continue by God's grace and by your faithfulness to make our lease payment every month. This month, however, we've not been able to make it, and we will hopefully be able to make it this week. But because we are choosing to live wisely and within our means as we call out for full obedience, we've had to make a tough decision to live within our means. And I've told the leasing agent at a request of the board to release the other building. So sometime in the next three months, if not by the first of the year, we will no longer have that second building. We pay close $13,600 a month in rent. This church at this size cannot sustain that. Now, when you hear that kind of word, two things can happen. Oh, my gosh. We are going to fall off this cliff. We're dying. Or you can say, oh, this is a ride. Let's take this one for everything it is up the trail. And that's where I'm at. Because I would much rather have momentum than a building. How about you? And God's breathing some new life and new momentum into this church. As evidenced last week by some of your connections, some of you that are new today, I don't know where this lands us. We have taken diligent time in looking for other facilities. In fact, we thought we had one that had supreme visibility, great uh, uh, facility itself, beautiful parking, nice room for expansion. and, And it just hasn't come about yet. And a means to maybe an angle to try to get it to work, to to be used during the week for some other things. So we could use it for Sundays and maybe something during the week ourselves. But that's not materialized. It's not been done away with. We've just sort of been pause, pause, realtor. How about it? Pause. I don't know. We've got to sign again on this building in the next few weeks. Do we sign here? Do we go somewhere? Do we put up a tent? Do we all show up at your house? I don't know. (laughs) All I know is the church is not the building. The church is the people. And the people of God coming together. They didn't have church buildings after Jesus. Do you know that? He called them together and he said, step out in faith. Step out in faith. And he's doing that to us. Now we've got some ideas how we rearrange, how do we rent some Sunday morning space here or there. Maybe they won't get the other building rented, so maybe we can rent part of it back just for Sunday morning. So all kinds of creative ways. But all I know is we've got to stay centered on the mission, full obedience. And full obedience is not just for us as a church in theory, but it comes down to each and every person in the row. 
Are we doing what God's called us to do stewardship-wise? Every week, you have the opportunity to give. Not to check off something to please God. No. To give back to God what he's first given to you. Stewardship. Whether it's a tithe of 10% or you just step out and you just start doing a 1% or 2 or 3% of your income. God says, you know, the biblical standard was the historical 10%. But it was a standard to reach and surpass. Maybe it's beyond the 10%. But I'm doing an all call for us to do full obedience to stewardship. Because we will live within our means. And God will bless and he will provide. But how about you? I know one of the keys to good stewardship is having consistent, regular giving. That's why we put this up here. The opportunity, just text that number, 77977. Text AWAKENING to that number. Launches you in to an opportunity to be able to just give on a regular basis. Okay? Now, the story of the Old Testament I wanted to close with, I may very well just expand on next week. But this is the story I can't get away from. Do you know the story of Gideon? Gideon was one of the judges in the Old Testament where God said, I'm going to use your life to set your people free again. Gideon rallied an army of 32,000 people to go up against an army of the Midianites of 135 thousand people do you know what god told gideon he said you got too many people i got two football stadiums of people i'm going up against and i got just this right here i think i'm good i'd like to have a lot more not less and he says get rid of them so he let go of everybody who was scared to go to battle Do you know how many people he lost? 22,000. So now Gideon's got 10,000 soldiers. God said, you have too many still. What? And next week we'll look at it maybe. He got rid of some more. You know how many had left? 300. 300. You know, we can pack this room with 300 people. If we really put extra chairs and packed it all up, 300 people up against two stadiums full? Do you know why God told Gideon to do that? He said, I do not want you to believe it's your strength, but that it's mine. And Gideon won that battle. This story I can't get out of my heart because I want to say, yeah, we'll keep the other building. We're going. We've got great student ministry now and children's. I walked the lady through this week. Here's the classroom. But I don't know if we're going to have this. I got two churches right now. I got a Filipino church. I got an Arabic church that want to rent space and be a part of, you know, this area and do ministry. I'm thinking, oh, God, why wouldn't we get rid of space? But when I see the means that we have, I know. He says, you live within my means. You trust me. And he may very well be saying to us as a church, reduce, not your people, but reduce your square footage. I don't want to hear that, Jesus. Gideon didn't want to hear that he was going to lose a bunch of soldiers. But sometime in the next three months, we may very well lose the second building. But we will lose $7,000 of expenses every month. That can free us up. 
So we're going to look creatively. But we need to own this as a body. Agreed? If you've got questions about this, I want to encourage you. Joe, can you go to the last slide that I have? We are going to have a time of last slide. Um, oh, last slide. On September 11th, we're going to have an all-church gathering, potlucks. like to do potlucks, right? Bring your biggest dish of your best thing, right? Talking about extending our impact, encourage, envision, and equip. Because we've realized as a board that we need to be together as a team and start talking a little bit about this whole thing and what God has for us. Put that on your calendars. Be a part of it. Joe, would you come? We're going to close. I want you to um, seriously entertain what God's speaking to you about concerning your personal life and your growth, being connected with God, connected with his church, connected with his purposes. I want you to consider being a part of a life group or coming to Rooted. I want you to entertain what God's speaking into your life related to serving. And I want you to also lay in full obedience before God. Fresh start for fall. Stewardship. Giving regularly. Off the top, honoring God for his purposes on a consistent basis. God will bless. He will provide. We are in his hands. He has a plan for this church. We are on the brink. But we are on the brink to Angel's Landing. Are you on the journey? Nothing greater than being on the journey with brothers and sisters in the faith to see people reached for eternity. Ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards, your small group cards, your serving cards. Let's sing this song together.